welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and we are back in Philadelphia, lovely Philadelphia. And today, my guest is a Philadelphia-based muralist and paper cutout artist whose site-specific work is designed to fit into architectural niches and public spaces. Please welcome Joe Borchow. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to have you on, and um, thank you for, for popping on and uh, being a part of um, this this series. Um, it's uh, I like I realize it was something someone told me recently that not everybody comes on here, so it's just like it's kind of like cool to have like really interesting people one share their time with me. We're you know you have a busy schedule, I have a busy schedule, but you're making the time for me, so I appreciate it. And um, yeah, it's really really cool and. Before we get too deep into it, deep embedded, you know, cutting through the paper and the mural, uh, the murals, um, share your story. Like, you know, where'd you grow up? What was your first quote unquote art experience? And talk, talk about some of your inspirations, please. Well, I grew up in Arlington, Virginia, right outside of D.C. Um, both my parents are psychiatrists. Um, and my, my father was a art collector and would take us in his own collecting would take us with him on his, uh, on his studio visits and whatnot. And there was one artist that I was really, uh, smitten with. I loved her work. Uh, her name was Patricia tobacco forester. Nice. And she's a plain air, um, watercolorist, these huge hyper-realistic watercolors on paper that she did outside in like capturing nature and uh, visiting her studio just blew me away. I was nine years old, and I remember going home and busting out the watercolors and <laughs> trying to do the same thing, and I knew from that moment on that's what I wanted to do, um, except for like a brief period in my young adulthood where I thought I had to do something else, uh, but I always knew I wanted to be an artist. Um, and when I was also, my dad used to take us up individually. I have two sisters. Um, he was from New York. And would take us up to New York, uh, one of us once a year, yeah. and to galleries and stuff. And I was a big Keith Haring fan. This was when I was twelve, and we went to Keith Haring's gallery, um, Tony Shafarzi gallery, yeah. and asked the receptionist um, if Keith was around, and she said he'd be here in fifteen minutes, and if you wanted to wait around, that'd be cool. And so uh, we sat around and waited for Keith Haring to show up and. Um, he invited us up to his studio. And nice. It was a that was amazing, amazing experience for me. Got nice. to see his studio and talk with him. He signed all kinds of stuff for me. I still got tons of swag from that experience. Oh wow! That picture. That's that's amazing. That's that sounds really good. And um, yeah, I mean, having that, like, I kind of want to replace my experience of just living <laughs> in a project. Like, we're going to New York. When? <laughs> no, it's 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 great and. Um, I think like I, I had an uncle and and I never met him right, but um my because he, he passed a few years before I was born and I, my my relatives who saw him and sort of the work he was doing these like large scale like paintings they were like no you had what he has because I was like a comic book guy okay. it's always like every year like all right Jane wants color pencils Jane's gonna need this drawing manual and all of that and you know I got hit with this sort of. Eh, go to the art school, go there, try to get it as a, you know, 13-year-old, 12-year-old. I was like, eh, eh, I'm going to know if it's that good. Crushes it, killed it. And I shifted into something else, like, creative, whether it was writing poetry or, or rap. No one is ever going to hear my rap songs, probably. <laughs> 
the late nineties, um, <clears throat> or or even doing this, like in doing this almost fourteen years, it's that sort of through line, and I think there's a kinship with it of of what you were describing that you knew art was kind of going to be your thing. Mm-hmm. I knew something creative um, because I think I. I, I'm very apprehensive to say eh, this is art. You know, people will say this is journalism, this, that, so on. I just like it's, it's something creative, yeah. and I think in those terms. So, you, you, touching on being born near the nation's capital and living in Philadelphia, I feel, feel like there's a Liberty Bell or something here. I don't know, <laughs> but as part of the iconography, how how is living in these places like affected? Like how maybe you go about your work, maybe some of the subject matter, some of the thinking that goes into your work. I feel like I was politicized at a really young age. Um, just being in near DC, um, my parents were very interested in politics. Um, a lot of their clients were politicians and people that worked with politicians. So, um, I was very aware of it very, very early. And, um, that's definitely stuck with me. And also the, the seeing Keith Haring's activism has also been a great influence on me. Um, as far as Philly, I've actually never seen the Liberty Bell <laughs> and I've never been to the, uh, to the, uh, Washington Monument either. I've never, I've been to it, but I've never been up in it. <laughs> same, uh, same. <laughs> so it's like it's funny how you grew up in a place and then you don't uh, you don't see the, the those main um, uh, tourist attractions. But um, but yeah, I definitely I definitely feel like by osmosis I I absorb the history and feel some some of the burden of the of having to uh, to relate my work to that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I think like that was one of the things that really caught caught my attention. And you're wearing the shirt with the the uh, the, the the images on there, um, the Brittany Griner, and I, I just remember like you know seeing it. And I was like, this this is catching my attention. And um, I think you would be the third. I think the third person with like a paper cut sort of background I've interviewed. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm getting I'm getting everyone, getting all of you, and. Um, it was just like let's let's have the conversation. Let's see where it goes, and kind of doing some of the research as opposed to internet stalking. I like to call it research. It's one and the same. <laughs> it's the same. Um, so your your paper cut work, right? Explore sexuality, politics, history, and art, amongst other things. What does an artist like? What role does an artist have in that sort of conversation that like you touched on being politicized early and, and things of that nature, like? What role does an artist have? Do they have a sort of responsibility, like from your vantage point, do they have sort of responsibility to comment on this stuff or should they, as you know, some people are told, stay in their lane or the, uh, I see the basketball or the head, uh, just show up and dribble, you know, show up and paint. So what is that role for an artist? I think it's a personal decision on any individual artist. For me, I've always been, you know, I've always had a real, um, I think a real, acute sense of justice and um, uh, outrage, sense of outrage at injustice that I've always felt like I had to share with people um, for better or for worse. Um, uh, To take this piece, for example, the Brittany Griner piece, um, my goal for that was really just to raise awareness. I I felt like the story was so quiet for so long still is and i'm still shocked at the amount of antipathy that she gets from uh from people that i know that say she shouldn't have been carrying anything there it's like her it's her fault stuff like that so um i just wanted to put something out there to 
let people know that there are people thinking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, um, I, I get that. Yeah. Trying to find sympathetic people, you know, um, I guess that's an, another part of the reason I do it. Um, just, uh, trying to vent my outrage, um, my anger, you know, try to find a, a, a good outlet for it, you know? Yeah, again, you know, the, the sort of kinship thing where, you know, in this sort of start, how I was telling you, describing what was behind this podcast and starting out, you know, mine was this this indignation of, like, how dare you talk about Baltimore that way or this city or that city? And being a, a data analyst or data professional almost as long as a podcaster, so having, in a real sense, the storytelling capabilities and the data knowledge to back up both of those things, one hand washes the other. And just looking at it, it's like, this is not true. And I was like, these things, these sort of politicized uh, talking points of the murders here, the this, the that, the so on. I was like, they're all racially coded. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let's let's not do that. And and I was like, how do I, instead of just getting mad, because I was like, that's not going to help anyone. I think mad in the sense that it's destructive or F this guy or F that or whatever. That doesn't really help in a big scheme of things. And, you know... And remember, down in Baltimore, we had uh, Freddie Gray and all the fallout with that. I was wrapping up a podcast, and that news came over my phone. And it was kind of like, oh, well, this is what happens here. And and I was like, no, I don't like this feeling. I need to really process that, and re process that and really pick at that a little bit. And it is that thing that you were touching on, I think, with Brittany Griner. It's like, oh, well, eh, moving on. There's a justification that some people try to create that it's just like, no, this is a person. Mm -hmm. Or... And now I could be, you know, really wild about it. It's like, let's not let, you know, Trump win in this regard of you got out of U.S. citizen. Just from the standpoint of like, ASAP Rocky did something goofy in another country and you got him out at the end of the day. That's what it looks like. So we're not going to do this for a black woman for something that might be less offensive. Mm -hmm. If we're doing that sort of, uh, what is it like behavioral politics of, this you did the wrong thing. Drugs are bad, so whatever you get, you deserve. No, we're not doing that. If you want to, you know, people talk about patriotism. Let's at least go from that standpoint. Yeah. Let's just protect our people abroad or what have you. Let's get our people back. And I, I don't know. I just think like, you know, there, there there's this thing that I remember, you know, seeing my therapist years and years ago, and, and I would just tell him, I was like, I don't really get mad about things. But I do get passionate about mm -hmm. it, and it looks a certain way. And he was like, well, you know, anger is for, uh, uh, energy for change. And I was like, okay, then I am angry. <laughs> and I am going to do this podcast, and I, and I do this sort of – I am motivated and kind of obsessed with it. And that comes out in this sort of work and this amount of stuff because the, the driving point is what's really happening in a place? What are the thoughts that go into the person's work mm -hmm. other than it looking really cool or really interesting? And so what – now, this is a question I've had to put in because of the name of the podcast. What role does this this concept or this idea around truth plays into your work? Um, you know, I always just try to, to shoot from the hip, you know, and sometimes for better or for worse. Um, I don't know if that really means truth or not, but um, I guess it's kind of an impulse, you know. Um, you, something makes you feel a lot of feelings so you feel like you have to exercise that and work it out and you work it out in your drawings and and then you refine it to the 
to the final final um, final piece, and somehow it helps you digest that uh, those feelings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to make a point, put circle back on the Brittany Griner thing. I think the reason her case has also really moved me is because it's um, it feeds into the whole global threat of authoritarianism and on people who are different, you know? Um, I mean, she's a tall lesbian black woman, um, in a, in another country who's just been, is held as a political prisoner. You know, it's like, I don't think you can get a more perfect symbol for what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and you the injustices of what's going on and uh, the whole global authoritarian um, rise. Yeah. yeah. You know? So I want to, so I want to, I want to talk about, um, I still have a, another paper quick question, but I want to talk about process a little bit too. So the next question is probably going to be in process. If you can, you know, work that in as well. If we talk mm -hmm. about process, that'll be great. Um, but so I, I see a lot of the paperwork is sort of this black and white thing, which I feel like it's intentional. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, why are you only working in, like, from what I've seen, only working in, like, those, those colors? And, you know, and I have another bullet point with it, but I at least want to start there. It's even more than just black and white. All the black has to connect. Mm -hmm. So it's even more of a constraint. Um, I was actually nice. listening to one of your podcasts with um, a guy from RISD, Painter. I can't remember his yeah. name. But I think was, that was Elijah, maybe? Yes, exactly. He was talking about um, about constraints using just uh, very limited colors in his painting. And that's something I really uh, connected with. Sure. Um, for me, it's always like the limits are where all the possibilities are. Yeah. Um, I remember I like to write as well. And... Um, I took a lot of creative writing classes and one of the best creative writing lessons that, that I ever had was where they gave you the first line and the last line and you had to fill it all in, you know, and that kind of constraint, I really feel like I thrive under. So, I mean, I've tried to move out of the, the, the black and white paper cutout stuff, but somehow in that box, I just can think better. I can, I, I just flow, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a way for a lot of artists. Some, some, I guess that's not true. There are some who just do everything, yeah. do everything very well. That's not me. So, I mean, I like, I'd like to really like hone in on, on a really specific, um, craft as well, you know, and just get as good as I possibly can at it, you know? Yeah. Um, as you remember, like sitting down with a few different photographers and, uh, the most recent like photo shoot that I did, the photographer was like, do you, do you do photos all the time? I was like, no, I do not. I was like, I break cameras actually. And she was like, you are foolish. And, and she's like, she's like, don't mind me. I'm just in my process. I'm trying to figure everything out. She's like, what piece of furniture, uh, shout out to Sean Champion, what piece of furniture here like speaks to you? And because uh, we're doing this uh, photo shoot inside of like basically a, a furniture warehouse and and so on, and I was like, this one. It was like this this big lazy boy, and I was like, oh. And she's just like, look, I'm gonna be looking at you strangely. This is just my process, and I'm like, oh, this makes sense, and this is how this this person works. And I, I just I I think there's a lot of allowances there. So when that that talk I was telling you about earlier, you know, I was asked, are you gonna go into video? 
And I was like, I don't think that's my lane. I don't think that's my space. It's like, I think this is my space. I think I have more control in it and I make it, I keep it interesting. Like, you know, before we got together, you know, here, pretty much strangers. I could have, I could have come from, from, uh, robbing a bank before I got here. You're like, I have no idea where did all that money come from? (laughs) So I think that's what keeps it really interesting for me. Um, while having sort of these restrictions, like I try to have this minimal contact with the person. And if the interview goes really well, great. And, um, but if it doesn't also great, like, you know, it's just how it works. Um, but I think having those, those restrictions and that sort of process that makes sense, for you at that time, you can either go really far with it and you don't have this sort of, at least from my standpoint, this burden of, that's a stupid question. Or even from the guest standpoint of, I've already answered this before. Let me give them something a little bit more juicy and seasonal. Well, seasoned, rather. Mm-hmm. So, in what other parts, like, when you get into, like, thinking about your process, like, what is the you know, sort of the, that start to finish, whether it's in a mural, whether it's in sort of uh, your, your paper cut work, like, how are they, like, similar? And, um, like, what is, like, how the process, like, what's the thinking that goes into it? Like, where do you start with something in the middle? And when do you know that, all right, we're, we're getting towards the uh, the ninth inning here. Mm-hmm. The closer's, like, warming up. Yeah. Well, I'll just walk you through my process. Um, so it always starts with a thumbnail sketch. Always drawings is the core of my practice. Um, and they can be the most the quickest little messy thumbnail or they can be pretty well rendered. It it depends. Um, but you always, I always go back to that thumbnail throughout the process and all the information is always there. Um, it's just about refining it and getting it, getting it to where it needs to be, to be presentable. Um, so the thumbnails are really important because they're done quickly and, just under the flash of inspiration. And I try to carry that through to the final process. Um, so I always do my thumbnails, no, no protractor, no ruler, no compass, um, real quick drawing. Um, then I'll, from there, I'll work out a line drawing using those tools. Um, a lot, I definitely use a lot of rulers and compasses and, you know, scientific perspective, stuff like that, um, to really try to create a space. Um, and then, um, from that line drawing, I'll then work out all the blacks and whites, figure out how the black, how all the black connects, (laughs) figure out how to do any kind of rendering I need to do, or like push things to the back, bring things forward, how to, you know, there's a lot of different tricks to doing that with just black and white, like graphic tricks. Um, and then, um, so once I get that all figured out, I'll go back to the line drawing, trace that and put a piece of, um, like a carbon paper between that and a black piece of paper, trace it onto the black piece of paper. So I have all my line work there. And at that point, when I'm ready to cut, I know everything, every shape that I'm going to do pretty much. I mean, everyone, there's always a question here and there, but pretty much I know every every shape that I need to cut out and I just go at it, just excising each, each white space. Um, it's a very time consuming process. It takes, uh, and my, my work is also very small. Um, the, and I blow it up. Um, Mm -hmm. like for, for instance, the Brittany Griner piece is only like four by six. It's like that big. Um, 
And I like doing that because it reads from far away. Yeah. Um, so when you do working really small, you can get a sense of what it's going to look like in the in the in it in the environment, you know, from and it reads better. If you work really big, you tend to put too much detail in, mm. and things get lost um, with all the stuff going around it. If you can work small and blow it up, it, you get a real graphic effect. But um, yeah, after I complete the cutout, I throw it on a scanner, scan it. I usually have to do some because the scanning always picks up some shadow of the paper cutout, like the relief between the white paper behind it and the um, actual paper cutout. And so I always have to go and correct that stuff in uh, Illustrator. It's the only thing I know how to do on Illustrator. <laughs> I hate working on the computer. Um, but yeah, then I blow it up, print it up, and either paste it or paint it or whatever uh, whatever I need to do. That's, that's, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it, it does. And I, I have a paper cut friend that's going to probably be listening to this because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she, she gave me a gift. It's my logo, like the logo that's on that bag, uh-huh. but as a paper cut. Oh, cool. And I was like, how long did it take you to do? So ah, I didn't take that long. I was like, no, it didn't. <laughs> it was like, you paper cutters. I was like, you guys are out here. It was like, what do you have a preferred um, like blade or what have you that you use for you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I use an Excel number 11. It's, they're the best blades. They beat an Exacto every time. Exacto's tips break. They uh, do. They do. Yeah, you got to get the Excel. New Jersey's own. I, I wanted to have that, that nice plug in there because I know people <laughs> are about their tools. It's like it's like going to Texas and saying, where do you get your barbecue? It's yeah, like yeah. talk to a paper cutter. Where do you get your blades? <laughs> yeah, yeah. People always ask me that. You know, I used to break blades all the time. Like, I used to go through like seven, eight blades of paper cut out. I don't anymore for some reason. I think I've just... Have better technique now, and I, I can use one paper, one blade for two paper cutouts now. So very economical. <laughs> so also read that uh, graphic novel. Uh, oh yeah. So I read read about that a little bit. Uh, in addition to your mural and paper cut work, like, do you sort of like try to like dive into other like creative practices to kind of like take a not necessarily a break but more of a like i need to work on this and it's going to help me in this in the long run whether it's um working on like a sketch working on a painting things of that nature like and, and, and speaking of the graphic novel a little bit too so the graphic novel again was just a flash of inspiration i started working on it and it just grew and grew um took me over a year to complete it was a it's 100 paper cutouts um and i submitted it for a grant for the zurich foundation which i don't believe is around anymore i think it was run by the one of the guys that uh invented the teenage mutant ninja turtles nice. they had a self-publishing grant um which i got in 2008 i think it was so i was able to actually publish them and um but yeah it was uh it was just kind of um a psychological kind of noir um, story that just came to my head. And um, it was a real long project. And I think I got scared away from jumping into anything like that again, because it was so all consuming. It took so long. And um, it's so, I feel like it's hard to get any kind of uh, remuneration, remuneration from, uh, from something like that. Um, without, unless you have something set up ahead of time, yeah. like someone's paying you to, or, you know, you have some sort of, uh, way to get it out there and, uh, get something back from it. So I've hesitated to get back into that. Um, 
but yeah, it's always what I'm, whatever I'm inspired to do is what I'm, what I'm working on, you know, or whatever someone hires me to do. <laughs> Which is, it's, it's almost, it's, an, it's almost a natural segue there. So it's like you got the questions beforehand. Uh, so talk about like sort of that commissioned and non-commissioned work and mm -hmm. creatively, like what are those like non-negotiables for you? Like, eh, I don't know if I'm the right person for you. If this is your project or yeah. what have you. Cause People come to me, they want someone to be the voice for it, or they want someone to be the consultant for it and help them realize their sort of podcasting mm -hmm. voice or their storytelling. And a lot of times they don't have a sense of what they're looking for. And then through the conversation, you're, I realize that I'm not the guy for this. Yeah. So tell me about that for you. Well, um, an easy tell is when they ask me to add color. <laughs> if they ask me to add color, I know I'm not the guy for them. Like, ah, well. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I always do a little research on whoever I'm working for make sure that we're pretty much aligned ethically you know um uh most of the stuff that i get hired to do are people that know my work yeah. and they know they've seen it they know what i'm about so i don't really have a big problem with um with uh getting on the same page with them um you know i like to keep them in the loop of my process yep. to make sure because it's because it is so time consuming and it is so and because the nature of the paper cutout is it's impossible to change once it's done you know yep. so i try to keep them in the loop and make sure that we're on the same page all the way through um before i actually really put the effort into making the cutout yep. um does that answer the question? No, it does. It yeah, does. Okay. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I, I'll get a sense of, you know, what someone wants. And, you know, you, you've probably heard it. Everyone's doing a podcast now. And it's just like, all right, I'm available, I'm around, and so on. But it's like, really, what does this look like at the end of the day? Am I a hired gun? Mm -hmm. And I'm coming in to kind of help facilitate this? Am I consulting? Am I running the whole thing? And you just, you know, and I've done each one of those probably in the last like, like six to eight months. And I think the one when it's just like, we just want you and, you know, we're hiring you to do these and we're going to sponsor it. Those are the ones that I sort of you like, like that because you know, I'll give them a sense of where I'm at. We have very understood, like, the, these sort of memos of understanding of this is how we're doing. And to your point of, here's the process as we're going along. Mm -hmm. So it might be eight interviews. I can't, like, you know, you can hop on the interview if you want and listen to what we're doing. But for the most part, once the episode is ready, here you go. Here's this next one and so on. And this is kind of what I'm doing. Here's the questions, maybe, if you want to see those. And then there are others that, hey, we were just kind of looking for you to answer, uh, ask the questions that we write for you. And it just doesn't sound like me. Yeah. It doesn't quite work. And it's like, and, and I kind of struggle with it at times. So do I need, you know, full creative control over something? And, you know, being told that that's not what you should ask for, but really that's probably what I need. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird too now with the way people expect you to be able to go back and change things mm -hmm. digitally. Um, and it's, and that's kind of a pain in the butt now, you know, it's uh, like yes. <laughs> when people have that expectation. So I really like to work with people that know what I'm about, what I'm doing, um, have seen the paper cutouts, actually seen them, see what the actual, uh, the art object is, you know? And, um, I think once they have an understanding of that, I'm sure if it's with your work, once they listen to the podcast, see what you're about, yeah. they know what they're in for when they, uh. Yeah when they hire you and they like that. You know? I think the next thing that I'm going to do to be like even more pretentious, I think I'm going to record two cassettes. 
Oh, cool. <laughs> I think when I do that, it's like, I don't know if I can go back and digitally and change <laughs> any of that. It's like, here's the tape once I'm done. <laughs> Drop a cassette. I don't have anything to play that on. <laughs> like it's my demo. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the last real question I have, and the other ones are the rapid fire ones. So, and, and again, I, I want your take on this. Um, aside from money, because <clears throat> I think money is, is too obvious, because... Uh, it's kind of like, hey, you get, if someone drops a million dollars on me right now, I'm probably going to buy something ridiculous, like a gold suit. Mm-hmm. Like a suit literally made out of gold. It's like, oh, that's chain mail. What are three things that, from your vantage point, you think artists need? Need time. Mm-hmm. Time is the number one thing. Um, you need a good room, space, studio, whatever you want to call it, to make your art. Um... And you need inspiration. You need to be out and about and keep learning. You need to be reading and talking to people and uh, going to coffee shops and <laughs> chatting. And that, that was one thing that was hard about COVID, you know, yeah. like not being around people. So I found very difficult. Um, I really missed my coffee shop. Uh, I'm a coffee uh, shop guy too. Times, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, those are the three things that I feel like really fuel. Yeah. I think people really don't realize how much time you need. I mean, there's so much time to reflect that you have to have as an artist. Um, that time you're staring out the window is time well spent, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. time spinning your wheels. Um, those are, that's, that's really furtive, uh, um, moments. Yeah. Um, and they turn into, uh, they turn into, to, to real, uh, real ideas, yeah. you know? Um, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah I, I think you, you mentioned RISD like earlier and like the last, like I went to Nashville between, but the last place that I actually went to do like a, a trip, like this wasn't work. It wasn't something else. It was going to, it was going to Rhode Island. I was going to uh, Nargasset and no, it was actually Providence. We went to Nargasset later, but it was, um, it was Providence and really doing the things that I would do. Like, they have this small chain there, uh, coffee shops. I went to each one. I was like, in that week, I was like, I'm going to each one of these. And I worked on a few questions, but, you know, I was kind of just taking a walk, just walking and just kind of doing nothing, not with, I need to be here by this time. It's like, I'm going to do a few things today. I'm going to accomplish a few things, but I'm going there to kind of enjoy from the, the, the sort of social standpoint, I'm going to go to a few nice restaurants. I'm going to go to an art gallery. I might even go to a zoo. But I think that it opens up so much different thinking. Mm-hmm. And and how I go about things, like the the trip I was telling you about earlier when I was in um, Austin, I was just walking. It was 106 degrees each day I was there, by the way. So right there. I was like, Am I, is this a mirage? And was this during the blackouts, too? I think so, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And there was a bumper sticker that I walked by. And it was talking about like this kind this idea of magic and it's like art is magic. And literally I pulled up my notepad and wrote down this idea and I was, and I got three questions just off of a bumper sticker. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wouldn't have that if I didn't take this walk. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have met the person at the, uh, the antique shop if I didn't take this walk, which eventually turned into a podcast. So yeah, absolutely. We need time to like kind of do nothing. <laughs> yeah, you do. You really do. So in this, this last portion here, I got some rapid fire questions okay. for you. Uh, ready. And uh, don't overthink it, don't overthink it, don't overthink it. Um, so here's the first one. What is your go-to snack? Go-to snack is, um, these days, I like oyster crackers. Okay. Oyster crackers, good. Yeah. 
when is your favorite time to work? It could be during a part of the year, like I like to work in a season or a certain part of the day, but when is your favorite time to work? Now it's from I'm my all my um cylinders are firing between uh eleven AM and beyond. I could go till probably nine if I didn't have to pick up my my kid and make dinner and all that stuff. But I have a really hard time getting cooking before eleven AM. So we're getting you at peak time right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you are. It's just the beginning of peak. Three o'clock is peak. Three o'clock is like that's why some people need to get, get that Red Bull. It's like, I need to come mm-hmm. back. I need to return. On, on the train up, I was like, all right, I did not have coffee. I'm a coffee guy. Like, yeah. I need that. I need, like, a either a red eye or, or a black eye or something to kind of get everything kind of, like, locked in. And uh, I, was, I was joking with my partner. I was telling her, I was like, look, I'm going to get smelling salts before a podcast. She was like, no, you're not. <laughs> She's like, I'm not, I'm not allowing that. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, describe something that you must do like every day for like the day to feel like this is gone. This is gone. Right. Um, for some people it might be like running, going to the gym, some sort of physical activity or mindfulness practice. I'd say going for a walk. I need to walk, get some sort of physical activity every day. Um, to really feel like I, I did something. I wish I, I used to be much more, much better at it, but, uh, yeah, that definitely some sort of exercise for sure. Um, so, what is the number one for you best thing about being an artist based in Philly? The best thing about being an artist in Philly is the accessibility of just the street, this the 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 city itself. Yeah. I find it really easy to navigate. It's super easy to find your way around. Um, you can get it's small enough that you can get to know all the pockets, all the clicks, all the, you, you know, I'm not never one to like, just get tight with one click. I like to kind of float around, you know, and Philly's a great place to do that and not feel like you're lost. I I definitely agree with the sort of street thing. I usually time like how long it takes for me to get from where I'm coming from to where I'm going. And I think once I can kind of like, find multiple ways to get to that point. I was like, okay, I know the place now. And I'm coming from 30th Street Station or have you. And initially it was, it was like a 30 minute walk because I walked there. Mm -hmm. And um, now it's like, I'm down to like about 20 and I was like, okay, I'm moving. I got it. I know where I'm at. I'm not going to worry about getting lost. And then there's construction because I'm coming down, I think, uh, maybe Walnut mm-hmm. and then taking like knife across. It was like, Oh, I'm good. I know exactly where I'm at. I took the side streets. I had to worry about, I don't know what that is in that alley. Yeah. But I'm good. You gotta love that grid, man. You know, yeah. DC is so, so ridiculous. Oh my gosh. I, I, I grew up there. I still, I can't find my way around that city. And they have this sort of like that, that, that how it's uh, designed, that straight line mm-hmm. that you can't get to the White House directly. Uh-huh. And it's just like, this is just a maze. Yeah. <laughs> this is intentionally a maze. It um, is. So this is the last question that I, I got for you. And I, and, and I, I want points, right. For the way this is worded. Cause I think it's very good. Okay. Starting tomorrow, days are now only 20 hours. What's something that you cut out of your day? <laughs> I'm patting myself on the back. Of those, what was something you cut out of your day? If you uh, are dropped down to 20 hours, you know, it doesn't make that much of a difference to me. I'm a night owl. I like the, I like when it's dark out, I like having the lights on in the house and the heat on and get cozy and, <laughs> turn on my music and get to work. I don't think I cut anything out. Uh, it doesn't, I like the, the winter, winter months. 
Okay. Yeah, I get sick of them February, March, you know. I'm ready for spring at that point. But this is a great time of year. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, we've had this a little bit, too. I, I'm, I'm more of like, because my, my birthday's in the, the latter third of January. And I'm like, yeah, once we're after January 20th, everything else can go. Can we just be back to spring? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's what I'm on. Um, so that's it. That's, that's all it. the questions. So um, I want to thank you for being on this podcast and taking the time with me. And uh, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks, the listeners, where they can check you out, your work, website, social media, all that good stuff. The floor is yours. Well, I, the easiest place to find me is on Instagram. Um, I find that's the the site that I get the most value out of. Um I'm off Twitter now, uh, but I never really had much of a Twitter presence to begin with. Um, yeah, or just hit me up. I'm can always email me up an old school email. It's borishow at yahoo.com, uh, Um And if you're in Philly, keep your eye out for some weird black and white uh, paste-ups. So there you have it, folks. I want to, again, thank Joe Borishow for coming on to the podcast and I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. Music